taking our way through the Articles of Faith and spending the last couple of weeks on the fall and depravity of man and we have this week and at least at least one more week before we'll conclude this subject and trying to break it down in, in parts and, and deal with each part according to Scripture. But concerning the fallen depravity of man, we believe that man was originally created upright, finite, but by voluntary transgression, he fell from his happy and holy state. In consequence of which, disobedience and threatened death was then and immediately inflicted. And he totally lost all spiritual life, becoming dead in trespasses and sins, because being becoming subject to the power of the devil, that sin of Adam was imputed to him, to man, to the entire human race. And that the corrupt nature has been transmitted to all his posterity by means of ordinary generation. And hence, every descendant of Adam is by nature a child of wrath, totally destitute of spiritual life, at enmity with God, wholly inclined to evil. In other words, totally depraved. Without strength, without hope, unless saved by Christ and made alive by the Holy Spirit of God. Going back up here to and hence from that time forth from that very day every descendant of Adam is by nature a child of wrath. That is by his sinful nature which which he inherited. And he doesn't need to blame Adam because everyone sinned. And all are guilty before God because all are sinners. 
Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, in chapter 2. And being that all are sinners, they have a nature that is bent on sinning, and they do sin. And being that they are, they are children of wrath. No getting away from it. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3, we seen that in all men is working the spirit of Satan, the spirit of the devil. And we were our children of disobedience and being a child of disobedience disobedient to God and to his commands to his way of life we are children of wrath verse 3 makes it clear among whom among the children of disobedience also, we all had our conversation, our manner of life in times past. We that are saved, the same thing is said about us, even before salvation. In times past, beforehand, before salvation, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, because we had that nature, and because we went about doing that, we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So we see that we were children of disobedience, and because we were children of disobedience, the wrath of God abode upon us. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3 now. Romans chapter 3 and more dealing with all in this nature of all and in verse 9 of Romans chapter 3 what then Paul is addressing the Jews in the first part of the chapter, in chapter 2, he's addressing the Jew. And so he says, what then? Are we, being Jews, better than they, better than the Gentiles? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles You see, in the days of the scriptures, in the days of the apostles, in the days of Jesus Christ, in the old time, there was the Jews, and then there was the rest of the world. Mattered, mattered not what your nationality was, whether you were from 
Africa or from, from Italy or from Great Britain or where you were from. You were a Gentile. You were the rest of the world. If you were not an Israelite, you were a Gentile. Who both Jews and Gentiles. In other words, the world. That they are all, all under sin. That is, we're born with, with the sin nature, and we sin. Can't do anything else. You read in the book of John, chapter 3, and, and you see, in fact, you don't want to do anything else. <laughs> you, you love your sin. Love your evil deeds. So, it does not matter whether Jew or Gentile, all have this sin nature and are disposed to doing evil. They are children of wrath. The wrath of God is abiding upon them because they're children of disobedience. They disobey God. They disobey His law. Come with me to verse 22. Verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because we're all sinners, all must repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to receive the righteousness of God. Go on with me over to chapter 5. Chapter 5 of, well, I went to chapter 5 of Romans. I want chapter 5 of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 6. man deceive you with vain words. Empty words. And, and, and they're empty words if they're, if they're not, thus saith the Lord. If it's not the Word of God, they're empty words. It's, it's empty. It's empty for towards spiritual life. Towards making a man alive in Christ Jesus. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. You see, just what he said earlier in Ephesians chapter 2, he just puts it in a, a different way here. Chapter 5, 
Because you're a child of disobedience, the wrath of God is abide upon you. And that every man that is born is a child of disobedience. They manifest that. Early on, as we as we declared to you last week, they manifest that early on. In fact, the psalmist said, "From the womb, they manifest that depraved nature. They don't know anything else." Turn with me, Colossians, the book of Colossians, chapter three. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 6. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Here he reiterates what the Ephesians he, he tells to the Colossians as well. As, as a to the Ephesians and to the Colossians, to us today, as a means to get us to reason that our life is different. We're not to be as children of disobedience. The wrath of God's not abiding upon us. We're to be obedient unto God and to His Word. That's what we said. That's what we professed in salvation. We professed in salvation that, that we repented of our sins. And oh, there a, to be a continual repentance of our sins. Every time that we sin. Because, because it's against God. And we hate sin. Because it's against God. The one whom we love. We love supremely. And so we're not to be as children of disobedience any longer. Upon whom the wrath of God abides. John chapter 3. The Holy Spirit of God led the Apostle John to put it in this manner. John chapter 3 and verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. The wrath of God no longer abides on you. That was taken away in faith. That sin was taken away. The guilt of sin was taken away. The penalty of sin was taken away. We're no longer abiding under the wrath of God. We have everlasting life. And he reasons, reasoned with the Ephesians and, and with the the. The apostle pointed, why, do, why should we want to go back into that, <laughs> that way of life, into the meager things, the beggarly things, the things that we're wanting, the things that we're lacking? 
as a reason to come out of a life of sin. The true child of God does not continue on in a life of sin. Not that he does not sin, but he doesn't continue in that sin any longer. That is, the adulterers stopped adulterating. The fornicators stopped their fornicating. The the murderers stopped murdering. The thieves stopped their stealing. Liars stopped their lying. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Verse 18. Actually, i got to go back to verse 17. And verse 17 refers back to verse 16. Where Paul said that he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek or to the Gentile. For therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, get this, the just, those who have been justified, those forgiven of their sins, those who have been made righteous in Christ Jesus shall live by faith. Live by the faith. Live, live a life trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Being obedient. Being obedient to God. Doing the will of God. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. That's why, that's why we live a life of faith. We're a new creature in Christ Jesus. We don't, abide, we don't live in, in, in our manner of life no longer as one upon whom the wrath of God is abiding. His, his wrath abides upon those who are ungodly and those who are unrighteous. And we've been made righteous by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and faith in Him. So, since the fall, every man is born with the same nature as Adam, and that is one to sin. They sin, and by that nature, they are a child of wrath, a child of disobedience upon whom the wrath of God abides. They also are totally destitute of spiritual life. Totally destitute. There is no spiritual life in them at all. 
Hmm. I'll use this again. I'm sure. But the Armenian would have you to believe. And our sister Sandy, when she came here, this is what she thought until I corrected her that there's a spark of good, a spark of light, a spark of good in every human being. You just got for it. Well, that's false. <laughs> that's not according to Scripture. It may be a spark of good, as we as men call good, but not what God calls good. To be unrighteous, to be godly, is to be totally destitute of any good. You can't, you can't do any good towards God. Because you're a sinner, and you're condemned in your sin. Saying by your 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 unbelief that you're loving sin, you're loving the darkness that you're in. You won't come to the light because you don't want your deeds exposed. John chapter three, verses nineteen. Turn with me now to the book of John chapter five. John chapter 5, and we'll be getting to this verse in just a couple of weeks. Maybe maybe this next week. Yeah, I think this is, it is this next week. John chapter 5, in verse 24. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come to condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. What's that say concerning those who do not believe? It says that they're, they're abiding under condemnation. There's no spiritual life in them. You must come to Christ Jesus for spiritual life. You must come to Christ Jesus for eternal life. You must believe. You must hear and believe. And notice, i, I, I got to point this out again. The tense of those verbs there. Heareth and believeth. You don't just hear the gospel one time, but you can to hear the gospel, you continue to hearken to the gospel, you, you, you continue to have the faculty of hearing the word of God proclaimed, and you believe, you don't just believe one time, but you continue to believe, you continue to believe all the days of your physical life, which is eternity. Continue to live eternally. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting in Him. But those who remain in unbelief, 
destitute of spiritual life. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13. And you being dead in your sin. How dead is dead? If we had a corpse laying in front of us, how dead would he have to be to be completely dead? <laughs> Our brother back there, I, I suppose in the years of his, his work, he's seen dead bodies. How dead did they have to be to be dead? Well, we say that's ludicrous, huh? Well, what's it, how dead do you have to be to be dead in sin? That means you're destitute of any life. Dead in sins is to be destitute of any spiritual life. People say, well, the day that Adam supposedly sinned, he didn't die. He died spiritually immediately. He was dead in sin. There was no spiritual life in him. And he manifested there was no spiritual life in him when he ran and hid himself from God. He no longer wanted anything to do with God. And that's man. Man in general. They, they go their own way. Because they're totally destitute. Totally destitute of any spiritual life. First John 5. First John chapter five and verse twelve. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath the Son, he has life. He has spiritual life. He's not just alive physically, but he's alive spiritually. He has, and that spiritual life is eternal life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. There is no life. In him whatsoever. He's totally destitute. He might be alive physically. I might be able to look at him and say, well, he's alive. But he is dead in sin and trespasses. There is no spiritual life in him whatsoever. He's totally destitute of that life which God gives. 
Go back to chapter 3 of 1 John. And verse 14. Pay attention to what this verse says. We know that we have passed from death unto life. Does that mean I was dead physically and now I'm alive physically? Obviously not. It's talking about being dead spiritually now being alive spiritually because we love the brethren. There's a manifestation of true faith. A manifestation that we are alive in Christ Jesus. We're alive unto God. We're alive unto the things of God. We love God. We love the Lord Jesus Christ. And we love His brethren. He is in love with not brother. He's fooling himself and everybody else. He abideth in death. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. That is, he's spiritually dead. If you don't love another child of God, you are spiritually dead. And it doesn't matter. But know what they did to me. It doesn't matter what they did to you. Love overcomes that. And I know you're preaching to the choir here. In my lifetime, I've had a lot of trouble with that. Not that I would go so far as hating them. But I'd stay my distance from them. I just didn't want anything to do with them. I couldn't be civil to them. Well, what is that? Is that the love of God abiding in me? <laughs> Certainly not. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Chapter 5. In verse 14. For the love of Christ. Here's what the love of Christ does. For his. For those that are in him. And he is in them. Constraineth us. It binds us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And, and because, because of that, he's saying, saying that's why, why we give ourselves to preach the gospel, to deliver the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ unto them. Christ, Christ died for Christ died for, for them because they're dead. Now, just a way of note, 
It doesn't say that he died for all men. He died for all. He died for all people. He died for all the elect. He did, died for all the chosen ones of God that were given unto the Son. And therefore, that is what constrained Paul. That is what moved Paul to preach the gospel. That's what, what moved him to, to endure the hardships and, and the beatings and the stonings and, and the shipwrecks. For the sake. That they might hear the gospel in his mouth and be saved. That's what the love of Christ does when it abides in a individual. Abides in his children. At enmity with God. They are totally destitute of spiritual life. At enmity with God. I think we'll we'll stop right there with that one today. We'll take that one up next week. At enmity with God. Wholly inclined to do to evil. <laughs> Wholly inclined. I mean holy. It's not H-O-L-Y. It's holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y. I mean, the whole being is inclined to evil. Doesn't mean that they're as bad as they could be and can be. But there's no good in them. And it stands up there. It's equivalent with they're destitute of all spiritual life. And they're destitute of any good within them. They're only evil. So we'll take up with at least those two uh, next.